0: The Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. From Charlotte, North Carolina,
1: this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Jason Allen King. Welcome to the Comedy Zone podcast. Back at you with another hot and fresh episode. We got all of Voltron here together. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure <laughs> pleasure to be in your presence.
2: Excellent. Uh, it's good to, good to hear your voice, buddy. How you doing, Balto? I'm uh, I'm
3: good, guys. How are you?
1: We are great now. This is uh, you've been. You guys have been listening long enough to know who these people are. But I always say Brian Baltashevich and Jason Allen King. Uh, you know, because of our nineteen years of being professionals, <laughs> Com-
2: here. combined uh, experiences. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh Very special episode Sweet. this week. I am super excited. Uh, I'm sorry, Jason. You had something. Well,
2: we're at twenty years now because I got a year behind. I got a year under my belt now.
3: That's a good yeah, point. yeah. actually, that's true. And, and it's also 22. So now we're, we're at 21 combined years now.
2: We're actually. 21. This is, I mean, this is a veteran production at this that's point, right. I think.
3: Can you add that to the show
1: open? So after they say all the other stuff, they say, with a combined <laughs> 21 years of podcast experience, <laughs> your host! <laughs> I'll,
2: I will get that done.
1: <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Uh, I don't mean well, to bog it
2: down, but I just want the credit. Is all I am saying. <laughs> <It's worth it. laughs>
1: well, uh Well, I started off like we always do. Uh, how's everybody's week? You hanging in there with this crazy world we live in now? You guys doing all right?
2: Go ahead, Brian. Tell, tell us about your week. You doing all right?
3: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's 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 getting to that point now where where it's like, all right we kind of know what's coming. You know, we know there's going to be a second wave because people can't stay home. And I don't know what's going on in South Carolina, but their governor just said that concert venues and bars and restaurants can open up again. Um so, you know, now I'm just kind of you know, it, it's I'm just I'm just going to hang out right here where I am and uh continue to order my groceries and not see anybody. And I'm kind of starting to be okay with it. So, so you know, I, it, it's all good. Everything's good. He's settling into quarantine life. I get settling. it. I'm settling in. Cool. I all am right. settling in. Two months. Yep.
2: Um. Good for you. I mean, there's 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 a there's a positive in that. There's something to be said about that. I I, I would think.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm kind of at peace with, uh, you know. I mean, I've got everything I need right here. My wife is here, first of all, most yeah, importantly. You, yeah. you know, I've got, I don't, I don't, you know, wander more than five feet away from my computer, which is probably not the healthiest thing in the world. No. But hey,
2: you know. Your, your eyes are going to burn out of your head in the next <laughs> year and a, a half.
3: For sure. That's right. What will happen first? Will we be allowed <laughs> to go out into public or will I be struck blind? That's, right. <laughs> That's the question. I think uh for me it's uh you know
2: it's day by day. Some some days are better than others. Um I've learned if I can the earlier I get up, the better I feel. And uh I would yeah, I have maintained my um my productivity, I would say. Um, you know, with a little bit of an ebb and flow, but I've maintained Continuing to write and and uh, getting into some sketches that are usually Zoom formatted. I'm I'm still working on jokes. I've got a virtual show at the end of the week, so I'm I'm staying pretty consistent too. And we didn't get to this last week, but we should also say that um, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Oh,
1: big time! Yeah, Uh hundred percent. Good call. And I
2: and our our family did practice a, and I'm I'm actually genuinely proud of my family that. (laughs) We needed to see my mom, my mom needed to see us, so we went, and everyone had a table. Now, we're, we're a big family, like four of the five uh, siblings are down here, and every, we did it right. My folks stayed on the porch, and each of us took kind of a corner and stayed there, mm. and brought our own, we brought our own food. Uh, our own chairs, drinks. Like it was uh, pretty impressive. That's great. I, I don't think I ever got you know ten feet of my mom actually, but it was uh, it was nice. It was really really nice. We got to do that. That was the highlight of the week for me. So,
1: yeah. was it difficult at all? Like not being able to give her a big hug and all that stuff? Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> definitely. It it was interesting. The the texts, uh, kind of group texts of all of us who were including my nieces and. And that, who who also lived here, was it was a little bit of an emotional build up. Like we got to get to see mom. Mom needs to see us. We need to see her. Like we kind of definitely were lacking. We're a pretty tight family, and uh, so it was kind of uh, it was it was nice. It was very very gratifying to gratifying is not the right word. It was emotionally sort of we kind of needed that. So yeah. it, was, it was really good. It, it was it was hard not to give her a hug and to you know you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, but it was definitely worth it. We did the right thing and masks and gloves and everything. We we practiced the best we could.
1: Was it more, yeah. was it more of a fulfilling experience than you expected?
2: Um, I mean, uh, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I, I don't know if the, I don't know if the, what kind of well, let me, let me, yeah. I, I gave. But.
1: No, I was going to, I was just going to say like, like I had a, uh, a call with my line brothers on Zoom uh, about a, a couple of days ago. And I was like, oh, it would be fun, you know, seeing the guys or whatever. And I got in there and it wasn't just like old times, but it was close. And I was really surprised that even though there were sort of restrictions on the way we could communicate, that it still filled me up in the way it did. And I was just wondering whether you came into this with sort of reduced expectations because it couldn't be like old times. And whether it lived up to that, or varied from it, or whatever.
2: Yeah, uh, I would say that uh, in a in a different way, uh, I was it, it definitely sort of satisfied the need to you know listen. I don't have the, the slightest problem saying I'm I'm a little bit of a of a mama's boy. I'm the youngest mm-hmm. in the family, and you know my folks mean the world to me. So getting there and having some of the conversations sort of dip dip back into normal uh with them was uh definitely kind of a happy place a very you know you're feeling safe and normal and and like that felt really good here my brothers over here talking a little bit of sports talking to my sister and my niece about friends and like you know, my dad giving somebody a hard time in a funny way, and and mom saying, "Oh, I talk to you know, talk to grandma." All that stuff, man. I, it's mm. yeah, that that's something that I that that fills me up anyway on a normal basis. So had not having that for for two months and getting that was really really nice, especially on a day that we got to, you know, show mom some extra love. It was good. It was really important. It was good. I hope everybody got some some semblance of that.
1: That filled me up a little bit just listening. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's fantastic,
1: man. Good, that's man. really but, nice.
2: Yeah, got a great family.
1: That's good, man. So, um, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, there were. A couple How was your week, ago. buddy? Oh, that's right. I didn't talk about me. Um, it it was good. Uh, you know, we still we're hitting the final couple of months of the pregnancy, so, uh, you know, my wife's got the appointments and all that. Things are good with smooth sailing right now. So. Uh, very thankful for that. Glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. And then with my son, dude, he's uh, he's three. So for <laughs> some reason, man, I started we started playing with these Nerf guns. And I'm already a terrible dad because all the joints say <laughs> eight plus on them. But I'm like, all right, well, I'm sitting with him. He ain't even strong enough to cock it back. So, you know, I can just sit and make sure he ain't pointing it at the cat or his eye or, you know, I, I'm sitting there. <laughs> So uh, he's just been watching these Nerf battle videos on, T- on YouTube. And uh, he just loves running around the house pretending that we on secret missions. And, uh, you know, I'll play a little music like the soundtrack from uh, Mission Impossible or something. I'm serious. He gets into it. He'll come up and say, play song, play song, play song. So I'll come back and we'll start in the, the laundry room and crouch down and play the music and come bust it in and light up the balloons and the teddy bears, man. <laughs>
2: Wait a minute. Uh, you just have a really young, cool roommate is what it sounds like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that
2: yeah, would just figured out. Yeah. You <laughs> had, you had out with your buddy. That's what that's you
1: did. Pretty I turned a three year old into one of my hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> so so we uh we, we having a good time with that man and um every you know, my wife's good, we're good, we've been Managing this thing, great. Uh, so I, I really have no complaints, man. I don't, honestly, I don't miss going out as much as I thought I would. Uh, I think because I had to go out before and it was between work during the day and uh, comedy shows and this and that. It was, it, it's been kind of like uh, a sort of relaxation type of thing for me. Uh, we so, cer-
2: certainly, uh, as comics who have, uh, you know, other jobs uh, certainly put, put a a lot of stress on our schedules. So I can understand that for sure.
1: And yeah. a lot of pressure on ourselves because you know, because you know when you when you're in the thick of it, you're always going, okay, I need to be emailing this person or I could yeah. be reaching out about that show or I can get over there and do a spot. And just to know that there's no spots, I could just sit my ass down for a second and not <laughs> even have that kind of self-imposed pressure that I put on myself. My appearance you know, letting the gut hang a little bit, growing a little bit of hair. Because, you know, any other time I'm trying to look a little bit thinner for my day job and, and, and staying a little bit trim for the image and the comedy and the and the video stuff. And uh to not have that pressure and just kick back and eat pizza and sit up and scratch my belly, man. It's uh it's been fun. And So um,
2: your wife's having a very different experience in quarantine than you are, I think.
1: Oh brother look, I'd be upstairs. She downstairs, she don't even fool with me. She's. She, I see her just as much as I did when I was in the office.
2: <laughs> she's like, she's like, when I was here, I had one roommate. Now I got one and a half roommates.
1: Well, plus see now, now we're where she is with the pregnancy. She ain't gonna be coming up the stairs no whole lot because you know it wears her out. So she just hangs out downstairs. I check on her, make sure she's good. We chilling, man. Wow.
2: You got it all figured out, buddy. I'm proud of you. Good job.
1: <laughs> well, well speak, <laughs> speaking of this whole situation, I, I know, Jason, you had mentioned it, and I'm glad you did. We had to give a shout out to a really funny dude. Um, Just one, had-
2: one, of our, one of our favorites. I don't want to speak for everybody, but one of our favorites in town, for sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, for absolute sure, man. Uh, Jawan Cap is uh, a, a, a comedian. If you haven't seen him, look him up. Uh, I think he runs Goof Goof Camp. He used goof to camp. be Goof Camp, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, so Goof Camp, uh, super industrious dude, man, always out here hustling, making it work. And uh, he, he was, I guess he said he had COVID-19. He, he, yeah. um, so, uh, you know, prayers up, thoughts up, positive vibes up to him, one of our comedy community. We're thinking about you. And, um, you know, we we know you're going to turn out all right and be making people laugh again real soon. So I just wanted to make sure we shouted him out real quick. Absolutely. Well, Jason, you made sure. I wanted to double make sure off of your make yeah. sure.
2: Yeah, we we were, all, we were all on the same page about it because uh, I just saw he had a post today. So um, I don't know the degree or the severity uh, of what she has it, but that is sort of irrelevant. From what I understand, it can turn quickly, but. Uh, I don't know if Joan listens, but if you're listening, buddy, uh we're we're thinking about you and uh come on out of this uh, stronger than ever, buddy. No question. That's all I can say.
1: No question. Uh and let's talk a little more comedy. We had a couple yeah. uh specials come out this week, right?
2: Yeah, there was one was a surprise. I didn't know it was coming, but uh uh Jerry Seinfeld right. put out a new special. And I, that came out in the last week or two weeks probably, uh called yeah. Twenty-three Hours to Kill. Um And kind of before we get into it I mean Jerry for me was someone that Like when I was long before I got into comedy Obviously I knew who he was And I'd seen some stand-up and I read his book Just because I always thought he was funny Obviously a TV show So I've always been a fan of of Seinfeld I've always thought he's pretty good I love using cars Getting coffee Because it's a very different persona If you know him from stage From his uh from the Seinfeld show and who he is in that show is very different. He's sort of this kind of alpha male with biggest bravado. He's kind of like, he's walking around with the biggest dick in the room kind of character. So a lot of people have liked him less because of that. I've actually liked him more because of that. Um, Because he knows the industry and the business and yada, yada, yada. I mean, were you guys a fan of him in the, in the eighties and nineties? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. I was a, Huge Seinfeld fan. Um, I, I probably saw all of those. Uh, yeah, big, big Jerry's. Matter of fact, I hey, saw hey, him when he was in Greensboro a few years ago. I went and saw him.
2: Oh, uh, really? Oh, great. I've never yeah, seen him live.
1: Oh, it was like watching a Swiss watch. Uh <laughs> like live. Just so so smooth and connected and precise and methodical. Uh, not, not a wasted word in the whole Hour and a half, or whatever was just a master man. It was, it was really
2: good. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Not because not in a gotcha moment, because mm-hmm. his new special, I struggled with, really? I struggled with it. I didn't. Um, I was on the fence for a while, and I've been thinking about it, and and it didn't. It felt like, and I can't fault him for this. I I just didn't laugh a ton. It felt like he was trying to do something different. It just didn't feel like his a a calmer cooler collected precise seinfeld balto you saw it did you have what were your thoughts that's my th- kind of thesis anyway
3: yeah i think you're i think you're right on i don't think i don't think it was as precise as kind of we're used to seeing him yeah um and i thought it was just okay I thought yep. it, I I it was, you know, if you if you are a, a, an average consumer of comedy and you liked uh Seinfeld before, you're going to like this just fine. It's fine. He's not breaking any new ground. He's not doing anything you know really that he hasn't kind of always done, but but I did get a sense that he was kind of mailing it in a little bit, honestly. I, um, I
2: yeah, I think I think you're you're exactly right. There was a weird sense of like for instance. Now, I I've been a consumer of all things Seinfeld for a while, so I'm aware of his Pop-Tarts joke. Right. That he had been writing for 20 years. He did the joke in the special. And the presentation of that one was so disconnected to today. No one's talking about Pop-Tarts or has an interest in pop tarts the the idea of that as a subject outside of me knowing that that's a joke he's never done and he's been wanting to do and been writing forever yeah it seemed really really odd he also was doing jokes about text messaging and how odd it is and why people text so much which is which is like you know why do people wear hats that's as that's how relevant <laughs> that that is to me it's it, all of his material. it couldn't have seemed more. And again, I'm not going to come on here and say it was garbage. It was shit. he sucks. That's not what it was. It was just, man, it nope. was not what I expected. I, relevancy seemed really, really misplaced.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think uh, to your point, Jason, I think you know, any one of the three of us could go out and do that hour. And 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 be thrilled with it, you know what I mean? But the fact that that was Seinfeld doing that hour just left me feeling a little bit flat. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, I also think his tone and demeanor and how he presented the material was very different than Mm -hmm. all of the specials that I've seen him do. He did more physical, yes, and big gestures and moves, and he did them longer than they felt like they should have been done. It was as if high pitched
3: yelling. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. when he, even when, even when he does the Jerry Seinfeld thing, it, it's, that is an exaggeration of what he actually does this time. It sounded like he was doing a caricature of himself. It, it was yeah. just so grating and these big moves and gestures. And like, he was on the floor at one point. It was like, dude, he, he's a stand in front of the mic and tell jokes guy.
1: Did he hump the stool? <laughs> Damn near <laughs> close, man. <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't know it, it just uh, so that to me i would be curious to get other people's take on this and will it might be fun for you to watch it and then come back next week and see, I definitely if, will. see, yeah. see if that was something that um, I don't know you want to what are your thoughts I mean you surprised to hear it do you have a well I mean you know he's 66 I think 66 yeah. 66 years old I think it's awesome that he's doing it and should do it and there's no reason that age doesn't mean shit honestly especially if you're seinfeld i mean any any thoughts on what you're hearing
1: uh it is it, you know it's', it's i guess su- somewhat surprising um I hadn't seen a jerry saw- Se- a new Jerry Seinfeld thing in a while i know he did was it a radio city music hall he did something or um uh, uh, where was it? where was yeah, his uh, last broadway
3: um well, his last one was the one where he did the bits about home and growing up and stuff right. And then go, um, which he record, I can't remember where he where he recorded. But I actually like that special a lot more than I like this one. And that was most of his yeah. older material.
2: It, it wasn't a couple of years ago that he was here in town. I remember because I couldn't go; yeah. I was out of town. So,
1: well, well I definitely think it, it makes me interested to to see it because I think that in my mind I try to give artists room to evolve because I think sometimes, yeah. and I'm not saying that this is at play here at all, but. I think sometimes we look back on things and we want an artist to stay where we left them at. And, yeah. you know, it's like, we want them to be the guy that he, and it's like, we've evolved and we've grown, but we don't really want our artists to like that.
2: That's a great, that's and, a great observation for sure.
1: Yeah. So I, I just, I, so I'm going to try, but you know, to your point, you can make allowance for all that. And it just, it just something could just be missing off the fastball. I mean, it happens you know yeah. so i'll be interested to kind of look and, and see where it slots in for me at it's a very interesting uh observation though and and i like the fact that cuz you know some of these comics man you know, people just get on these things and just kiss a bunch of behind or you know you you've always been really honest about your assessment of these things and i you know i, I you ought to be commended for that cuz not everybody Well is, and you
2: know, to be honest. Uh, I appreciate you saying that, and, and I am, and I have been a fan of his, and I just think he kind of felt when I saw that it came out, out of surprise, I was like, "Oh shit, I'm watching that!" Like, let's let's yeah. go. And then, um, and I and I I kind of, not intentionally, this just sort of happened. I sort of held him up to a, we'll call him newer, even though he's been doing it for a long time, but his, his success, I would say, is a little more, uh, a little more recent. Um, Mike Berbiglia has a new special out. that has been probably, I don't know, six months, maybe. Yeah, it's right. been a few months. Yeah, but yeah. A few months. Yeah. Um, who's someone I've seen? Mike Berbiglia. He, he look him up. He's got. He's had an interesting rise to his success um, and how he's gone about doing it. He is, to me, what I would consider a, a storyteller, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and but also, you know, a joke teller at the same time. He's evolved a little bit in his. In his growth, from what I've seen, so I watched Seinfeld show, and I would say it was probably two days later. I think that uh, that I saw Perbignia's show, and he had he the the venue was a similar venue to his last special, which I'm not going to remember the name of it. This one's called the new one, uh, and it looked like a somewhat of an off Broadway. Uh, kind of like the booth theater here in town maybe there was, yeah, it was 100 people there 800 people
3: there. it was it was on broadway actually was uh, it okay it, yeah i can't remember and, and remember the theater now but that was the big deal uh i'm about it i mean actually the blumenthal played a part in um, uh, producing the broadway run, run of that of that show. is that right yeah
2: oh that's okay kudos to to uh blumenthal. Yeah. that's that's wonderful yeah. Um so I watched that special. Now obviously I've been a fan of his not as long as Seinfeld. And uh I'll tell you what, it, I I was floored. I laughed through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I I would say that as yes, comics, we know where jokes are going or we love how they do things. He was constantly zigging when I thought he would zag. His like abilities off the charts. He's d- diving into new material but he's got a foot in in where he was before. If you haven't seen the new one, it, it knocked me out. I haven't been like knocked out like that. I think in a little while when it comes to. Wow. To I can't wait that? to see that. Well, well, the, the what, part of what it's about, which I think is going to be feel very relevant to you is that it was this process of them having a baby. Mm. Uh, and he, his perspective on it, and I'm not like giving anything away. It's not like mm. a, a story or whatever is he didn't want to have kids and he and his wife, talked about not having kids in fact and and things have changed and it was it follows him from not wanting them and why he doesn't want them and what he thinks about them and other people who have them to the surprising decision that we need to talk about this to having the decision to having a child and man it you are on a ride if you haven't seen this it, it just was a non-stop fascinating because he does this thing it's almost like a more of a one-man show yeah, But you laugh so much that it's, mm-hmm. uh, that, that it's, it's got to be considered a stand-up show. It's, it's stand-up, yeah. don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, and uh, it is just absolute See, brilliance.
1: That, that was the same way his special that he did about him meeting his wife. I remember that special, and it felt like that. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. talking about their sort of love story. Um, Yeah. So so I was really into that last special. So I know I'm gonna like this one. So I'm excited about that. And Jason, like I said before, man, between Chappelle and Seinfeld, you don't pull any punches. And you I mean, two men that with a phone call could incinerate your dreams and you (laughs) you don't. And we have thousands of listeners and and you do not care. And like I said, I I committed. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But but I um you know what kudos to you man for speaking your mind whatever happens to you kudos to you for speaking your mind man I always you may will respect never see
2: you again everybody because with the you know Seinfeld mafia I uh, might be out
1: <laughs> but I'm I will out. check I will check them out and, and we'll talk more about that I'm I'm excited about that thank you yeah uh that's all I got guys we you you, you got anything else anybody I talked
2: everybody's ear off this time sorry fellas
3: no that no, was it's perfect. Good. Uh, it, uh, and as long as we're talking about um seinfeld i do think we have to uh note the passing of Jerry Stiller, this oh, man, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, yeah. Yeah. um man, you know one, uh, uh, yeah it's not unexpected you know he was 92 and and but but man some of them just sting a little more than others and this one just uh yeah you know was was, was uh a drag you know he was you know, just it was so funny on Seinfeld and the King of Queens and um, the uh, work he did you know, before if you get a chance go back and listen to some of the sketches uh, that he did with his wife uh and Mira um yeah. just, just the timing and so funny and talk about not a wasted word man the, the their old stuff is so great And he didn't really get his due until until Seinfeld and, and it was just yeah. so great just really really good you know one of the things that i that I admire about
2: people, and I don't care if you're you know uh, the most famous sort of actor in the world or or a nobody, if you take a small role and make a meal out of that yeah. and make that a memorable role uh, i i I will just admire you forever that that to me he took. He took that role and and made it. That that was part of the the fabric of that show was his parents and and no, uh, uh small part because of his because of uh, Jerry, uh, he he was just yeah. absolutely
3: so awesome.
2: He made the most out of that.
3: I was reading an article and I think the Hollywood Reporter was talking about him and uh, uh, after he, he had passed and he actually turned down the role of. Uh, uh, Frank Costanza um, initially, and then the guy they had brought in to do it wasn't working out, and so they went back to Jerry, and he was like, all right, I'll do it. Um, I mean, They wanted him to wear a bald cap, and he's like, I'm not wearing a bald cap. Um, and, then, and then they wanted him to, because um, um, Estelle Costanza was so loud and so shrill, they wanted Frank to be kind of a shrinking <laughs> daisy compared to Estelle. Oh and I mean, he was like, eh, you know, we'll try it that way and let's see. And so he was really meek and tame. And and uh, one um, table read, he got kind of sick of being meek and tame. And so he just started yelling all his lines. <laughs> and um, Larry David and um, Jerry Seinfeld looked at each other and went, yeah, okay, do it that way it's <laughs> did <laughs> so uh, so the complete opposite of what they wanted them to do and it, it and it's it's um, timeless television i mean it's just it's just great stuff that's so. that playing within yourself
2: he he know what he, yeah. he he knew what he could do and he and he ended up doing doing the right thing that's fantastic
1: yeah. yes indeed well um uh that's yeah I, is there anyone else no
3: Nope. Uh, nope. Everyone okay. else can go to hell. We just <laughs> yeah, covered it. it. <laughs> just
1: did it. What?
4: <laughs> Everyone
2: else can go to hell. There's nothing else we need to talk about with anyone else. No, you weren't no. mentioned. You're garbage. So we'll see you next week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, fellas, uh, thank you all. Um, and a special shout out and thanks to my uncle, Dr. Sidney Jacobs. Well, Dr. Sidney. W-
3: w- people haven't heard that yet. This is the first segment.
1: Is it? Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Was, yeah introduce him like we're right right ball. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: so uh well now it's awkward um so i don't know uh i gotta well, tap into my around, 19 years assuming, of experience right?
3: huh i'll cut i'll cut all this stuff out so just go ahead and start the introduction you know what you're about to hear oh yeah. uh so coming up
1: next uh ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there you go uh, we have uh dr sydney jacobs my uncle to uh, give his perspective on uh, a story that is very painful to me. So you all will enjoy this uh, coming up next.
2: I can't wait.
0: Soreness and pain isn't always the result of activity. This is a 60 second wellness tip powered by Ortho Carolina. Prolonged sitting in a car or at your job aggravates muscles and joints and can cause pain. A standing desk can help. The key to alleviating the discomfort that sitting can cause is changing positions more frequently during the day. Alternating between sitting and standing at your desk, in addition to taking walk breaks and stretching, can work to loosen those tight muscles and joints. The perfect standing desk should be high enough so your computer keyboard is at elbow level and your monitor at face level to avoid neck strain. Before you start standing at your desk, take into consideration any knee or foot injuries and wear flat, comfortable shoes. This has been your 60-second wellness tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
1: Welcome back. To the Comedy Zone podcast, we're here with a very special guest uh, who is a family member of mine. He's known me b- since before I knew me. Uh, is is Uncle Sid's, uh Doctor Sidney Jacobs, uh, is is on is our guest today? So Uncle Sid, uh, please say hello to the people. Welcome.
4: Hello, my people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, h- how you doing? Are you you? Uh, this is your first podcast.
4: Um, not, don't think so. Um, uh, one. I think earlier this year or something like that.
1: Oh, okay. I thought, I thought we might've been your first. Well, you're close. Well, I'm <laughs> close. So, so, uh, either way, but, but I wanted to get your reaction to a clip because I'll give you a little bit of background. Okay. We, uh, did a segment on the show called, okay. uh, your worst sports moment ever as a fan, all of us are sports fans. Uh, Brian is a Detroit fan, uh, Detroit Lions, so he's got a hundred-year-old stories. Oh, wow. Uh, Jason, <laughs> in. Jason is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so he's done a lot of winning. He's done a lot of oh, winning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows how to win. He knows about winning, yes. <laughs>
2: Not just in football, but I appreciate that. Thank
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you have me, the, the Philadelphia Eagles fan, but... I was telling the guys that my most painful memory didn't even involve football. It was uh, Charles Barkley, the 1993 finals, and uh, they were playing Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls were coming off two straight championships. They were going for a three-peat, and Barkley, my favorite athlete in the world, was uh, the only thing in the way of stopping them from (laughs) becoming a dynasty. So that's the backdrop (laughs) for, for our interaction. Yeah. And then Uncle Sid, you were on the Jordan side. Can you can you give the people a little bit of, of how you became a Jordan fan and what got you to that moment?
4: Oh, wow. Well, being that um, I'm from North Carolina and that he went to the U- University of North Carolina, then, uh, of course, I went with Jordan. Uh, before that, I was with uh, Magic and Kareem Abdul- Abdul-Jabbar. It sounds and, like a lot and, of winners. But after seeing a course... Well, well, you you have to win. Okay, it's 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 about winning. It's not about coming in
3: second. They tend not to remember. You you don't
2: don't just become a a Detroit. I don't understand.
3: I don't. I'm not following.
1: So, so you, so you admit, so you had been a Jordan fan. I was a Barkley fan. So I'm going to play a bit oh, wow. of sound for you right here. Hopefully, you all will be able to hear. it Yes. By two, and touchdown of this possession. They want Michael to get a full head of steam, trying to keep him in the middle of the floor while Pepper got him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, I re- I remember that. Yes.
1: <laughs> now, Uncle Sid, what what now? Yeah. We were at uh, my grandmother, your mother's home. Could you yeah. set the background? Of, of, what 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 do you remember from that night?
4: Well, every time I see that shot, Alzie, I think about you. I think about Will. Okay, and I wrote <laughs> something here when the shot shot went up, and uh, I have written here, Alzie, after the shot goes in. Alzi slumps back in his chair, as if taking a dag- dagger to the chest. He sits there for a few seconds, complete silence. He goes upstairs and cries. More, he was depressed, immobilized for a week. Question, why would anyone pick a serial loser expecting to win? <laughs>
3: That's
4: what I am. Wow. <laughs>
1: Oh my, did I mention he was a poet? <laughs> you could tell, right? Oh, man.
2: That's family. That's family. Every, every, time, I, that. every time I that see
4: that guy being sitting to the left of me and just, you know, and I just never could understand. I'm like, why would you pick the same teams that tend to lose every year for the last, like, 20 years? It made no sense to me. It's and so it's, I always and I always like to follow winners.
3: <laughs>
1: but it's about so you, you wait to see who won the championship.
4: Well, I knew Michael Jordan was going to win the championship. I knew I had a winner. I knew I had a winner for the next probably decade or something. I knew that Michael Jordan was you know just the me of greatness. You know, I, 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 before that it was Larry Bird and 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 Magic, and so on. So I mean, why wouldn't I pick? someone like uh, Michael Jordan. I mean, it d- didn't make any sense. That's if you want to win. <laughs> and, I, and I think when you you look at, you look at the, the new uh, uh, what documentary that they have on him, and that's what he talks about, you know, winning. You know, if you want to win, let's win. If you want to lose, I don't have time. So, you know, I, I love Michael for that.
1: Now, d- does anyone else have any questions so I can harp and move on? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Now, does this
2: follow you in in life, Doctor Sid? Where it sounds like that watching the best, seeing who the best is, watching them win is what inspires you. Is this where this comes from?
4: Yes, that, that's it exactly. Yes, I just I like to. I mean, uh, being that I mean, if you ever lost in anything, um, it's it's not a it's not a a good feeling. And but uh, I've had my share of losses, and I don't like to have pity parties and talk to losers. So I like to know <laughs> what's in the mind of a winner. And, you know, I'm always just inter- interested in, interested in uh, the way that Michael Jordan thinks. And, and and some other great ones, too. I mean, you know, Larry Bird, Magic, all, all of them. They're winners. Tiger no, Woods. Would you
2: say, would you say that you, Martin, lo- like. you love winning more uh, than well, you
4: okay. hate losing? <laughs> I'm sorry to hear you.
2: I said what would you would you say that you love winning more than you more than you hate losing or vice versa? Uh yeah I
4: would love, I love winning. I love winning. I, I love winning uh because uh you know heaven is the prize. You know the milk, milk and honey land, the the trophy, the whatever they have to hoist up. That's what I that's what I love. I love I love, I love relishing that. I love uh just, you know, uh I have dreams about uh you know Michael Jordan and uh, Michael Jackson and uh, some of the great ones. So, I would I would, so I would love surprised? to just you know interview them to talk to them.
2: Yeah, uh, that would be fascinating. Now, what, yeah. what, what do you say to someone like Will, who seems to be opposed to winning?
4: <laughs> well, he's, I, think, I, I I thought about this. I think he's looking for a different thing. I think he's looking for like I guess. You know, to go up to for an example, you know, Philadelphia and tailgate and eat, you know, steaks and hogs or whatever they eat up there and you know, hot dogs, whatever and just relish that we all lost together, y'all. <laughs> We're we'll good next year. We're we'll good next year.
1: <laughs> so you'd rather win alone win alone than lose together.
4: Yes, I like feeling good. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a good feeling. Feeling good. All right. Not being depressed.
1: But do you understand that the winning is sweeter when you have waited for it? Well, that's that's if you live to you see it. See it. <laughs> <laughs> and coming it's out of Pittsburgh, nah, years, you you have, sometimes you don't have to wait. <laughs> you don't
2: have to wait. It feels great.
1: Jason, I, I got to tell you real quick, man. I, I got to tell y'all real quick about the most dis- despicable thing my uncle's ever done. <laughs> so he talked trash about the Philadelphia Eagles for years. I mean, he just t- he, he used to talk about them like they were the worst organization ever, like they were the Browns or something. That's how he used to talk about them. Oh, wow. Then all of a sudden, man, they win the Super Bowl, and I call him up to rub it in his face, and he starts yelling, talk about we won. He said, What the hell do you mean, we? What do you mean, we won? (laughs) What the hell do you mean, we? He said, Look, I live in area two. We won. He
2: saw winners that year, so he jumped on board. There's nothing wrong with it.
1: I've never seen anything like it.
2: And
1: and how quickly did I jump off? (laughs) Okay, so. Yeah, it was a brief stay.
0: (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that.
1: So so one thing uh another thing I wanted to bring up uh because uh so I know uh I, I don't know if I told the guys this but you were there the first night I performed in front of a real audience.
4: Yes, yes.
1: I was performing at the Comedy Zone uh graduation where they had like a you know a class that they taught at the club and then after like an 8 week course or something uh you graduate and all your family friends, you know everybody's people come out like a graduation and come to a show. So it happened by just happenstance to uh, be on the same weekend as the CIAA. And my uncle and dad, uh, both, y'all both went to Federal State, right? Yes. So, so then, so then they were here for the CIAA festivities and the show happened to be that same week. So they just happened to be here for it. So my dad and my uncle go to the show and uh, I'll let you take it from there, Uncle Sid. What, what do you remember about about that night?
4: Well, that you were a master, that you were, had total control and so on. I couldn't believe, and, and, and even over the years, I, I thought that you had more training, actually. Um, and I remember this lady, well, number one, I got, had a, I got a severe headache because I was laughing so hard. And uh, <laughs> I remember this lady coming up to me, uh, this uh, uh, older lady, And saying that this guy is really, really funny, and she was very, very serious too. So that's basically what I remember. And just to know that that you know that that my blood played 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 a part in that uh, made (laughs) yeah, I
3: would say a big big part. Yeah, absolutely. So so
1: so so then so when when the show started, were you nervous? Like, oh man, I hope he don't fall flat on his face or. Any of
4: that? No, because I knew that you were a natural at it. Uh, because you've always been funny. Uh, when you told me that you were looking at giving up law at least going into comedy, I was all for it. And I knew a lot of people in the family were like, "You know, you're crazy as hell." <laughs> okay, you're doing what? <laughs> OK. <laughs> <laughs> <You want> to- <laughs> all, all this education, no, so 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 I just so Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I knew it. I, I felt pretty good about it. So, you know, so then, uh, he had choices. He, he had choices actually. Law law, uh uh the culinary arts and also comedy. So
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, I never God. mentioned that on the podcast. Yeah, I, I used to right. I used to cook. I had a, a scholarship for the Philadelphia restaurant school, so
2: really something yeah. else. Yeah, really? yeah,
1: I was concerned. I, I love to cook, man. That's that's so yeah. cathartic for me. But uh, yeah, so so um. So after the after the uh, performance, I remember my dad telling me kind of about this moment that you and him had. Where, uh, and mind you, Jason and Brian, I'm meeting Sandra's parents for the first time on this night. Also, because yeah, Sandra. <laughs> You're Sandra just like,
2: just let's get all this big, big stuff out of the way in one night is what you were doing. I, I don't know
1: what <laughs> I was right. saying. them
2: right out, you know? Right.
1: <laughs> so, so Sandra's parents were there, and all they know is that she's she likes this guy that's a lawyer talking about telling some jokes. So they already <laughs> are like, I'm starting in the negative, I, I think. So they were there that night. My dad was there, and my uncle was there. And uh, after I performed, uh, my dad tells the story. Uncle said about you and him talking and him saying, uh, "Yeah, y'all, you can forget about that legal thing. This is what he's supposed to do."
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know how he took it, but uh, it was the real deal, (laughs) and I felt that. So you know, he went on to uh, prove himself and you know, right. So it's a great thing
1: and i think that uh i mean what just like what what about it did you you think was what did you see about it like was it the the audience reaction or how much i loved it or some mix of the two
4: well as a uh, uh as a former recruiter for the uh military and also as a sociologist i'm always looking at crowds i'm always looking at how many people are there for for uh for for example uh Looking at even you know the male-female relationship, uh, relationship ratio, I should say, and also uh, how many black people are there, how many white people are there, how many just I'm always just looking at those things. Those I, I call them social facts. And so then, uh, when you can turn a crowd on like that, I mean, that's an amazing thing. Particularly being a former or being a, a professor myself then I, I look at that and, you know, I mean, I look at, I look at you, I look at the comedy, but then I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking around looking at the people, you know, and they were all just, mm. you know, rap, they were all into it. So, you know, and, and that's amazing. I mean, people wow. don't really, I, I can imagine how hard comedy I would imagine, you know, can be, uh, being a former professor, you know, I mean, you up there by yourself, even when you were reciting or whatever, you know, you screw it up, you're done, you know, and he just had total command of that. So I was really impressed by that, and and his and his jokes wow. were just really just funny as hell, quite frankly. And he had a way of just again delivering his own style. You know, he was he felt good in his own skin. You know, and and he delivered that. So it was great.
1: Well, I got a funny a funny. I appreciate that, and I, and I got mm-hmm. a funny uh, add on because mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that night, but I told some jokes about University of Phoenix.
4: Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well, what happened was I took that tape, man, and I sent it up to my mom's side of the family because because they didn't <laughs> get to see it, you know. So they said, "Okay, well we uh we <laughs> we <laughs> we want to we want to see the show." So I said, "Okay, I'm gonna send you all to get the clip made up and send it up to you." So I got it and sent it up there, and they said they was gonna play it at July 4th at the family gathering. Yeah, and then I talked to my aunt like a week later, and she's like, "Uh, I was like, so what did they think?" And she said, "Uh, she said no. We couldn't play. I could. I couldn't play that. <laughs> and I said, you I said you couldn't play it. Why?'" And she said, "You know how many University of Phoenix graduates we have in this family.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I I retired it after that. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised
4: because that was you know I, was, I always thought about okay will this guy get sued or what? Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, just when you talk about, uh, you know, your mother's side of the family, yes, I, I can understand that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so then, um, let me, let me ask you now, because some of, uh, some of one of the places I draw some of my inspiration is from your story.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, you went from academia, you know, you were a professor at a university And now you're writing um, a nationally recognized poet. You've decided to publish your work and take that path as a speaker and a writer. Um, Please talk about that process, because some people get to a certain age like me or whatever else and think, oh, you know, uh, it's too late in life for me to change directions or it's too late in life. And I always took a lot of um, inspiration from you because you know, there was no concept of that. It, it was no such thing as that. You just went the direction you wanted to go.
4: Yeah. I mean, uh, particularly when you're talking for a living or thinking for a living and people actually pay you for it, <laughs> why would you stop? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I'm not working at a steel mill or a car factory or whatever. And so you can talk and think f- until you leave the planet. <clears throat> so for me, it's, I call it uh fulfillment, my finale. I have a had a strong uh, military background. I was in the Air Force, uh, the Air Guard, the Army Guard, and I was in academia. And so this is kind of like a confluence putting everything together. And so then it takes time. But when you look at my myriad experiences, uh, you know, I've been blessed, I've been blessed. And um, so I would not give anything for my journey. Uh, This is where I am now. And I'm looking to just, I'm just getting started. Can I just read something right quick? <clears throat> Can I read Please. something right quick? It's just, a, just I'm not yeah. going to read the whole, just a, just a few seconds, really. It's called Free, Please. Eternity Still Ahead of Me. Free, Eternity Still Ahead of Me. Thrilled to be 65, uh, Eternity Still Ahead of Me always will be flowing freely through infinity alive blessed to be bundled up creativity oppressed by the isms of society racial ptsd 10 billion bolts of lightning energy busting mental shack- shackles of slavery like marley systems of oppression constraining me but woman no cry fighting goliath till i die in the old bit tell them i tried i didn't lie truth personified and i rise that's the first stanza this is about seven pages long. So I'll stop right there. (laughs) So this, this, that's 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 basically, yeah, I just wrote this about seven. It's pretty long, you know, but it's, this kind of captures we're talking about age and that kind of stuff, you know, and I'm just blessed to be able to talk and think and get paid for it.
1: So what advice would you give to somebody listening right now? That's, that's, you know, they've got this idea or they've got this passion, but they just, you know, they don't think it's feasible or they think they're too old to go after this or that. What would you tell somebody?
4: To uh, uh, keep, excuse me, uh, keep the faith. Uh, don't listen to naysayers and get around all the winners, okay? Play tennis with people that are better than you. Okay? okay? If you, look, look listen. if you can't be around Tiger Woods, then write about Tiger Woods, okay? Okay? So, <laughs> So, you know, oh, he find the piece called Tiger Time. Yeah. 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 And as actually, uh, Will does a great job. He does a fantastic job on the piece that I wrote years back called Tiger Time. And uh, it's just amazing, that piece. And so, um, you know, again, what I do is because I, I wrote a piece, I think, this year on Serena Williams. Um, in that piece there, <clears throat> I have her winning 25 uh, grand slams or something like 25 majors. And so uh, uh, when that happens, and I guess i release that or whatever. But uh, I, again, I, I'd like to, when I, when I write about someone, then I'll treat that as if I were like writing a paper or whatever, so then I would go back. And even though I knew about them, I would go back and read on Kobe. I'd go back and read up on Michael. I'd go back and read up on Serena. I would treat it just like if I were writing a, a serious, uh, you know, paper or something to be published. Hmm. So it's not just portraits. Not just like you know, Mary had a little lamb. The fleece for I don't I don't do that. <laughs> so uh, it's serious. It's some serious stuff. I got some sociology in there. I got race, class, and gender at times. I got but overall, though, I have a I have love in there because it's all about in the final analysis, we'll win through love. In the final analysis, we will win through love. E pluribus unum. All you know, e pluribus unum. Out of many, one. You know, one love, one God, one aim. Yep, one go. Well,
1: that's that's a fantastic note to end on. Uh, yeah. I, I I thank you for your time. Uh, I, I I know the yeah. audience got a window into and and Uncle Sid. I know y'all can hear just from this brief bit. Uh, he's hilarious, man. We'll sit up all night and laugh and talk and uh, just some of my greatest memories are sitting in the kitchen with him or riding off at my grandmother's house and you making faces when I was like three years old, man.
4: Oh yeah. Oh, you remember that stuff. Yeah. I did something right in life, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and I do the same the same thing with my son, man. So uh yeah. you know you've always been uh there for me from day one and I'm so glad we got an opportunity uh to sit down with you. Now it, uh do you have uh anything you want to plug or a website or some work that our, our listeners can check out.
4: Um Wow, the, uh, the well, my book is called Freedom Poems, poems to live, love, fight, die, and resurrect by. It's all about the resurrection. Um, so, and when I say resurrection, I'm not talking about in some place in another world or whatever so much, but about resurrecting in life. Uh, you know that if you get knocked down, you you get up. You know, you get up by through your higher power, whatever your higher power is. You know, and so uh, that's what this book is about: freedom poems, poems to live, love, fight, die, and resurrect by. And it's on. Uh, you can go to Amazon and get it, or Balboa Press, that sort of thing. Um, yeah.
1: So, if people want to keep up with you, is there any way to uh, see what you have coming up next, or what what you, you'll be doing?
4: Yeah, I do, and and I'm and I'm sitting here because I just got my phone back and uh, my website. Uh, I think it's uh, but I don't want to tell you you're wrong. So you just have to Google it or something. I don't. know. I can't think of it right now. But uh, I have oh, a. I have a. <clears throat> I have a no, uh, we
1: can we can add it later if you just send it to me or something.
4: Okay, I'll send it to you then. Yes, and I have and I'm also working on a, a double CD to go with the book. So I'll have the Freedom Poems uh, double CD, and actually I have two more manuscripts. I have uh, uh the thicker book about a 55,000-word book, whatever it is, called Determination. And then I have another book, uh, a manuscript called uh, The Book of Love. So all those loves in my life, you know, from, uh, you know, my grandmother, my mother, uh, my wife, deceased wife, divorced wife, friends, my dogs in the military because I train dogs in the military. So, you know, I'll, I'll probably, you know, I've written about them, that sort of thing. So I have, like, really a lot. I've written a lot, quite a bit, you know.
1: Well, uh, I, I don't have any more questions. Y'all, y'all have anything else before we, we check out?
2: No, I'll say, I see a lot of connection from, uh, we started this with a, a lighthearted talk about, uh, these sports moments and who your, uh, your favorite people are and, and seeing the kind of what inspires you and, and some of the content of what you're writing. Uh, it sounds like if that, you know, if, if, People want to be inspired and and hear you know positive thoughts and and uh, coming from a very an intellectual place and, and a lot of passion. Uh, check out check out Doctor Sid's work, man. I, it's been fun hearing you talk about it, and I enjoyed your uh, your outlook on life. And uh, best of luck to you, man.
4: I really do. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. I appreciate that. And also, I have a I have a bottle of uh, Jordan Cologne here. I don't know if he still oh. <laughs> if he and says that oh. or not.
1: Oh man, let Who me tell that? you, dude. Wilson have to wear that. Jason, do you know? Here's how horrible this man was. Do you know the following Christmas he got me a bottle of Jordan Cologne after this? <laughs> <laughs> he said, so you can at least smell like a winner. Oh. But, but, but you think
4: about that. Just let me just say this right quick. Uh, I, was, I I had the opportunity to uh, speak in Athens, Greece uh, 2012, 2000, uh, 2011, 2010, 2011, I think. And each time I went there, uh, I went to this museum, and they were talking about these gladiators. And they said that uh, the top gladiators they would take their sweat, and they would bottle the sweat up, and they would sell the sweat to the common folk. And that they felt that if they could just put the sweat on from the gladiators, from the those gods, or whatever small g that is, and that it just you know it it, it made them they felt like they had supernatural. Or whatever. And I said, wow, that's it. That's, that's what the Jordan cologne is about. It's, it's about putting <laughs> on that cologne and then feel like you have supernatural powers. Okay. So, you know, it, it goes together. So if Jordan would have been back in that time, I would have been putting his sweat on my body. So, yes.
1: Here's the thing that's messed up. When he bought it for me, I said, as soon as I get home, I'm throwing that in the trash. It had the nerve to smell good. I started started wearing Jordan Cologne, and I hated the man.
4: And then he started getting women.
1: (laughs) Hey, hey, bro, you you got anything before we go?
3: (laughs) One quick question. When you saw Will, your nephew, your own flesh and blood, this this little boy, Will, in tears over his team losing, was there anything inside you that went like, hey, I should go put my hand on his shoulder and, um, and tell him it's okay? Or was it all just next-level trash talk?
4: <laughs> well, well, uh, this is a good question, actually. We hug all the time anyway. You know, I think he kind of like needed to be by himself and reflect. On um, do I want to you know continue following up the Barkley Road and you know never get a championship? Or do I want to get on the bandwagon and you know get you know enjoying one of these yeah. championships with uh the winners, uh the Chicago Bulls? Sure. You know, and I think what he's done is that he's actually said, you know, I'm gonna go to law school, I'm gonna become a comedian and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And and I'm sure that Michael Jordan played a little part in that. <laughs> Right, right, Will. <laughs> oh God! Oh man!
1: It's a nice <laughs> I, just he's, 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 he's <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> for the first time in the history of this podcast, I don't have any words. I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't. Uh, Uncle said, "Thank you so much, man. Love you. I love you. Love you, man. And uh love you. I love you." But like he said, check out Freedom Poems. Uh, we'll send the website when we get it. Thank you for yes. your time, Uncle Sid. Uh, love you much, and uh, be talking love to you.
3: you soon. The Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bobashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever.